and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. And I'm Joey Boudreaux. And we are smiling because we have such great partners just back from Dutchtown High School. They have an allied health program. Okay, we talk about anybody can make a difference. These students are medically minded, which is awesome. They've adopted LOPA and they want to help save more lives. The reason behind this is because one of the alums of Dutchtown High received a liver transplant, but they were with her when she was very sick, couldn't go to school, had to stop playing sports, and now she's better because she did receive her transplant. She's able to go to college because of it, something she never thought she would be able to do. But these kids said, hey, we want to sell hearts, like Lopa hearts, Mm -hmm. and uh, we want to post them on our wall, and we want to show people that we support donation. Well, just through that little effort... They have raised over $5,000 and counting for donation awareness, not only on campus, but throughout the area. So one person, Savannah, touched all these lives. They jump on board. uh, And it's just people who want to help make life happen. It's amazing, the transformation. It is. And like your your Dutchtown volunteers, there are so many others in the state, and they are making a huge impact. And look, this we're on our 19th podcast right right here, and we're reaching— We've reached thousands and thousands of people just through our podcast alone. The education efforts that that have been going on through, of course, I have to give you guys props in the community. There are so many more people saying yes to donation. In fact, Lori, this is our best year as far as uh, the number of organ donors. More people have said yes this year than any year in our history. Think of the lives saved. Amazing. Let that sink in for a minute. Oh, my gosh. More people saying yes. So so we're seeing an impact here that's being made, you know, with all of our volunteers, with the podcast, and with our community education. And you know what that tells me? Education is key. You hear that in in different walks of life, but in this one mostly, right? Education is key, and you can help us by spreading the word, not only about the podcast, but the events that we do. But you could share this podcast. We're easy to find. Let people know about us. Absolutely. You can find us on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Beyond Pod, Miro. And as I said on our last podcast, we are now uh, on Google Play Music. So Google Yay. Play Music has added us or, or has added podcasts to their library. And, of course, our IT guys got right on it and, and applied no for it. So we'll be on that Google Play. So if you've got Android or other Google-type uh, uh, phones or, or devices, you can find us easily now. So cool. That sounds, that sounds cool. It's awesome. Google Play Music. I like it. We're also on Facebook, Donate Life Louisiana. So a lot of the stuff that you'll hear us talk about here, you can see pictures of and learn more about on Donate Life Louisiana's Facebook page. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, at Donate Life LA. So join in. No pressure. Um, but a simple share, a simple yep. like, comment on a photo. That can go so far. So let's do it today. We always encourage you to give feedback. Uh, most of you do that at info at lopa.org. Now, Joe, we have a new phone number for you to communicate with us better. That's right. Yeah. That number, Lori, is 504-648-3477. What's that, that Joe? That is 504 648 3477. So we'd love your feedback, questions, comments. You may even be featured on a podcast. 
Mm-hmm. Do it today. Um, on this episode of The Gifted Life, lots happening. Lots happening. We're going to be talking to uh, Jason Loverity about accreditation and why it's important in tissue donation. We'll also talk about the Donate Life Float, one of my favorite things of the year. The Rose Parade is coming up, and we get to talk donation. And, of course, uh, as we've been doing, we'll be bringing Sally Gentry on, our family services guru, to talk a little bit about grief. And we'll be honoring a hero and more here on The Gifted Life. We have reached the recovery segment here on The Gifted Life, and today we're kind of focusing on accreditation. So what is it? What goes into achieving it? And what does that mean for me? Yeah, Laurie. So uh, today we have a, a guest speaker. His name is Jason Loverdi. Uh, He is with AATB, the American Association of Tissue Banks. He's the accreditation manager there. They oversee the accreditation for organ and tissue recovery agencies, as well as tissue banks, to make sure everything is safe, you know, for the public. So uh, here we go. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Oh, really, really good. Thank you for coming on uh, to our our Gifted Life podcast. And and we try to answer questions for the public of the questions that we get uh, throughout our community and, and hospital development and education. So uh, I'd like to actually start with what does it mean to be accredited? Okay. First off, I'd just like to kind of explain us as an association. I think that'll help people um, understand what what accreditation means. So the American Association of Tissue Banks is a professional nonprofit, scientific and educational organization. Uh, it's the only national tissue banking organization in the United States. Our membership totals more than 125 accredited tissue banks and 1,800 individual members located in the U.S., Canada, and even other countries. Uh, tissue banks in our country recover tissue from more than 30,000 donors and distribute in excess of 2 million allografts, more than 1 million tissue transplants performed annually in the U.S. Wow. Now, more than 90% of those um, of the human tissue distributed comes from AATB-accredited tissue banks. The association was founded in 1976 by a group of doctors and scientists who started our nation's first tissue bank back in 1949, and that was the United States Navy Tissue Bank. So since its beginning, the AATB has been dedicated to improving and saving lives by promoting the safety, quality, and availability of donated human tissue. To fulfill that mission, the association publishes standards and accredits tissue banks Uh, certifies tissue bank personnel, and we also interact with regulatory agencies and conduct educational meetings. So our standards for tissue banks contain extensive requirements for donor screening and testing to enhance safety and to avoid disease transmission. Um, With the exception of ocular tissue, AATB-accredited institutions provide most of the commonly used structural tissues for clinical uh, use in the United States. So that's kind of my... um, pitch about, you know, what AATB is and what we do and where we came from. Um, so you can see a couple big goals that we have, a couple big things that we do. We, we publish standards, we accredit organizations, and we certify tissue bank personnel. So to accredit an organization, they have to follow our standards, um, which are a little more stringent than the FDA. Um, tissue banks are regulated by the Food and Drug Administration, and our Standards are a little bit higher, and we go and inspect these organizations to our standards as well as the FDA and any local and state laws that may be in place um, to ensure that they're operating in a manner um, consistent with our standards 
um, handling tissue in an ethical manner and providing safe allographs for clinical use. We recently had you guys come in and audit us. Uh, and I know you guys were inspecting some of these same, you know, very same things. So what goes into the actual inspection? What are you looking for uh, when you're inspecting uh, the organ recovery agencies and, and the tissue banks? Okay. So basically we have extensive donor screening um, standards that we look for in an organization like you guys. Um, we have organizational standards and, you know, donor records <clears throat> as well as recovery and and shipping standards. So what goes into your audit, there's an extensive self-survey type of uh, piece to it. So basically you guys would get all your paperwork together, um, go through a, a huge checklist, make sure that you have policies and procedures for all the standards that we have. Uh, then we'll send in a, a contract inspector and for an organization like you guys, be there for about two days and they would evaluate all of your records, um, all of your policies and procedures to make sure that you're operating within our standards. And so from your mind's eye, once you spend time with an organization like ours and we are able to surpass your expectations, what does that mean for not only the organization um, but for, for donor families um, in our area? Well, two things I think um, kind of jump out. One is that you guys handle this whole process and honor the gift of life and handle uh, the whole donation process in a very ethical manner. And two is that you're doing everything that you should be doing to provide a safe allograft um, that will eventually hopefully end up being transplanted um, to help somebody else. So as an organization as a whole, you know, there's a lot of different things that it could mean, but basically in my mind, you're holding yourself to a, to another higher level of safety and ethics. So uh, what you're saying, Jason, is uh, we must have passed since I understand that most of our, uh, you know, we have really ethical, <laughs> high ethics, uh, ethical standards and, uh, and, and a hardworking <laughs> tissue team. You guys are a great organization. You're, you're an accredited organization. I'm not sure when you guys first became accredited, but I've only been with the association for two years now. And uh, I got here when you were going through this process last time. But now, so you guys have been inspected, and basically what will happen is our inspectors will produce a report, and then you guys will be expected to respond to these uh, findings in the report. And basically what we're looking for then, we have a very thorough review process, and we're looking to make sure that you have a quality system in place that can correct errors, anything that goes wrong, and put tools and policies into place to prevent those errors from reoccurring in the future. Um, so it's all about it's all about patient safety in the end, but the way we do that is we review your quality system to make sure that your organization is in a, a good place to, to do that. Yeah, and we are very proud to get that seal of approval. We know we have hardworking employees, but speaking with our tissue manager, uh, Blake Smith, um, after the process, uh, you know, very comfortable with how LOPA handles things, so we appreciate that. Now, um, if people wanted more information about um, what you guys do, how you do it, um, how would they um, get in contact with you guys? Sure. Well, you can go to our website, which is aatb.org. Um, all of our staff information is, is available on our website. Um, there's a description about what accreditation is and, um, you know, who can apply for accreditation or how to find uh, all the accredited organizations that we have. There's a, there's a way to search those institutions. 
but we also have a general number that you can call and a general email on there as well. Okay, and you know, people may have specific questions or maybe want us to uh, go into a different direction if we could have you back on. Um, so info at lopa.org, we're going to ask you to send your uh, questions, comments, um, anything about this interview there, and then we'll communicate with Jason. But we appreciate you taking the time to kind of explain what it is that you do and why we do it. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. I didn't know that people even really knew that things like this existed. So it's not very often people ask to talk about an accreditation program, but it's nice. And being a previous uh, resident of uh, New Orleans, one oh, of the cities in the world. So we knew we liked you for some reason. I don't know. Uh, but thank you so much. It's all about learning here on The Gifted Life. The more you know, uh, the more lives that can be saved. So thank you, Jason. Thank you. All right. He was the AATB accreditation manager. And uh, we always learn here on The Gifted Life. We are now talking about the Donate Life Rose Float, which is coming up in the Rose Parade, one of my favorite times of the year. Love the float, love the themes, and just love the whole message behind it. This is when we're on a uh, a nationwide audience. We're in front of them. Yeah. The theme, Laurie, this year is going to be Treasure Life's Journey. Mm. So, of course, uh, yeah, the parade's in in Pasadena. Uh, It's the morning of uh, of New Year's. Mm And these floats have these beautiful photographs mm-hmm. on the side with with heroes, you know, our past heroes from Louisiana and other states. And of course, Lopa has sponsored one family and one hero, and sent their family to Pasadena to help uh, finish the the preparation for the parade and finish the, the decorations. And then just and, experience it live. It's incredible, and and the stories that they bring yeah. back are amazing. It's, it's like nothing else, they say. Before the float gets here and, and rolls down the streets, there's a fluorograph of that loved one. So we send an image, and these experts really use flowers yeah. or flower materials yeah. to recreate that image. And I mean, it beautiful. is so good. It's perfect. I mean, it looks just like the image on the picture. It's amazing. That I've seen a few now, and I've seen, you know, I've been a part of uh, the final decorations to to some of the photographs from this past year. Yeah. So and in California, they finished like 98% yeah, they of it, finished, right? 98% of it, and then, and then they sent it to the families uh, to finish, you know, like eyebrows and different things, just small, small final touches. Just to have a touch, to yep. have a helping hand. It is an incredible experience for these families and us, you know, that, that oh, are there. Is to be able to witness this. Something to be a part of. And, and so this year, we wanted to let you know that the honoree um, for LOPA will be Matthew Walsh. And we did want to share a little bit about Matthew's story with you. He will always be remembered by his family and friends for that beautiful smile they say he had. He was outgoing, personable, and loyal with a passion for both playing and watching sports. At 21, Matthew was involved in a car accident that caused damage to his brain. Upon hearing that he would not survive, his mom, a surgical recovery room nurse, immediately requested that his organs be donated. Matthew's heart, kidney, liver, tissue, bone, and corneas were all donated to help save the lives of those in need. Through receiving Matthew's heart, recipient Raymond Stelly lived four more years. He was able to walk two daughters down the aisle and see the birth of two grandchildren. 
That's awesome. powerful. That is. So Matthew Walsh, you will see his face on the Rose Parade float, Treasure Life's Journey. Again, that's happening January 1st. What an honor. Yep. What an honor for that family as well. And it's just going to be something for you to witness and to experience. I'll be watching. Yeah. So we'll have updates on our social media outlets to kind of uh, get you ready. Here's what the float looks like. Here's more stories of those people who will be involved, um, but really catch a glimpse of it. If you see nothing else during the Rose Parade, check out this float. Something to see. Here on the Gifted Life Podcast, we have Miss Sally Gentry of Lopa's Family Services Department, and always a pleasure to visit with Sally, and we always learn so much more. Today, we're talking about grief. That's what we're focusing on, and we're learning that it's not one size fits all when it comes to grieving. That's right, and Sally, 20 years ago or so, was in nursing, and and we did, I don't know, 20-something hours of psychology, and we learned a lot about Kubler-Ross, and you had mm-hmm. to go through these five stages of oh, grief. Oh, yeah, yeah. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And you couldn't get to acceptance without being depressed first, mm-hmm. you know. So that was how we learned things years ago. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, I know you and I have talked a lot about grief and the grieving process, the latest information that, that's out there on grief. Well, I just want to briefly address Kubler-Ross and the fact that, and it was fact that she was talking about adjusting to one's own impending death, mm-hmm. uh, and she was not talking about the death of someone else, but that didn't seem to, to dull the enthusiasm uh, for yeah. people to say, well, let's just move it on over now to this part of what's oh, okay. going on. And so the theory really became over-applied, and it was just kind of taught during the time, well, that's that's just the way things have to be. But as we know, that loss and grief don't occur in a vacuum, that individuals go through the grieving process in all different sorts of ways, depending on their cultural background, um, their family backgrounds, um, just the historical backgrounds, how did their families deal with it. And most of the time, you know, there's also their beliefs and values and assumptions about the world. So there's lots of things that come into play Mm -hmm. in the grieving process. But I I think what's important for us to know is that um, the critical part of this is that everyone grieves in their own specific and unique way. And many times it's very similar to what others go through, and many times it's not, because we can see some families or some friends, whomever it may be, that seem to um, just kind of go right on through after the death, and they seem to be fine, and people kind of wonder about that. But that's how they were able to cope. Um, And then when we talk about the coping part of grief, that too, and when I say modern-day theorists, within the last 25 years, uh, they've taken a look at coping and grief and how we're using the language. And part of the problem is that when you say coping, it really puts a time limit on it mm-hmm. uh, and then you should That's true. you can you know once you've gone through this you've coped with it you should be through you hear people talking right. about closure or now I should be finished with my grief right. but as you 
you all know, you know, grieving, you know, that's just not how it works for most people. Um, and the thing is this, that, you know, grief doesn't end, but it does change. And your modern thinkers are, are looking at using uh, adaptation. You adapt to the grief. And what that means is it becomes less painful, less intense. Sounds more um, positive. It's, an, it's a much more respectful right. approach mm-hmm. because it enhances motivation. It provides support. It facilitates change. It does not put the labels that you're talking right, about right. onto an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, when you work with grieving families, uh, it's important for families to know um, that they have uh, may have a multiple range of thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. and behaviors uh, that's associated with the death of their loved one and that their grief is unique and one size doesn't fit all. Right. I mean, so often as, as a clinician, you know, you get kind of sucked into the belief, well, this person maybe should be angry right now and why are they laughing? Or, right. you know, maybe they should be feeling a certain way. And and it, that's the important thing. And we discuss, uh, you know, among our Lopa family to make sure that we understand that no one, no two people will grieve the same. It's not like just because, you know, they're not angry and maybe you would, you know, it, it's it's not that their grief is wrong or any less, you know, they're grieving the same. Absolutely. You know, same amount of grief. It's just that's the way they're they're coping, or that's the way they're dealing with with their yeah. their loss. Yeah, that's right. And I think memories of, of what's been lost that that the person, uh, whatever the value is that that has been placed on that individual uh, by their their family, that those feelings will always be there because they're associated with that individual. But again, it becomes less intense, less painful. And uh, basically, there's no rules to grief. You know, there's no set stages. There's no task that people need to follow through, except for their own personal journey. And uh, the tasks are just those that we set for ourselves. You know, uh, growing up, I heard about those stages as well, so I'm, I'm grateful to hear of the change that's coming. I like adaptation. I think it sounds positive. I lost my mom 20 years ago, and uh, you'd always hear, you got to stay busy. you got to sign up for more classes. you got to do that. And, and that didn't work for me. No, no, because yeah. that wasn't the way that you could— you, you had to have the time to take in what had happened for mm-hmm. you. And staying busy doesn't keep your mind off the situation at hand. Right. It would keep me up at night yes. because during the day I yes. was so busy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we appreciate you, Sally, enlightening us. Uh, you know, it's all about a learning process here on The Gifted Life. And we're going to continue this conversation with Sally. Um, she has committed to joining us here on the podcast to tell us what Lopez Family Services Division is doing and how we're moving forward. Uh, But if you heard something that we talked about today, you want to learn more, you maybe have questions, or you want us to go in a different direction for the next podcast, info at lopa.org, and then we'll take those questions and we'll take them to Sally, and then we'll address them here on the podcast. But coming up on The Gifted Life next time, um, we'll continue this conversation on grief. It is now time to honor a hero celebrating the life of someone who selflessly gave. And today, Joey, that person is Alex Scooter Corcoran. And what I love are the pictures attached. So Mm -hmm. um, if you go to lopa.org, Faces of Donation, you can see kind of what we're talking about. But I love the smiles. I love the hugs. Um, I can see, I can kind of feel what these folks who write in these letters were thinking, were saying, were seeing, right? So I want to read this story because it just kind of touches my heart. Um, This is written by mom, and I just think it's beautiful. 
So Alex Scooter Corcoran is who we're honoring, so we're talking about Alex. Mom sent this in. He wanted one last bike ride before he called it a night. How do you begin to describe this child? To me, and this is mom writing, he was my gift from God, most unique individual I've ever known. He loved life. He loved to live. The world, according to Alex, was a place to have fun. We like this kid, right? He didn't like to concern himself with everyday drudgery, such as school and chores. His imagination knew no boundaries. He was a free spirit to go where the wind blew him, and he sampled all the pleasures life had to offer along the way. He was not bound by rules of society. He had a tremendous spirit and was a child who definitely knew what he wanted. He made friends wherever he went because Alex never met a stranger. He was very observant of his friend's interests and loved giving little gifts that he found or made for no other reason than to make them happy. He was truly a child of God. On the eve of the accident, after putting his cookies and cream ice cream away, I feel sure that his only thought was to take one more quick bike ride before he came in for the night. He often acted on impulse with no thought of fear or consequences, just like Mama. And remember, this is from Mama. That's my baby, she says. I couldn't be more proud of him. He died doing what he loved most, being free and having fun. There are no words to express the depth of heartache I have now that he is gone. I mean, just powerful. Mm-hmm. Alex Scooter Corcoran, letter written by Mom. It's very powerful, very raw. You can see the description. Um, and you can see this little guy's face, Lopa.org, Faces of Donation. At this point in the podcast, though, we do want to pause, and we want to say thank you to Alex Scooter Corcoran for the gift of life. Tackling your questions here on the Gifted Life podcast. Um, This one came in, Joey. It says, "Um, I was thinking about taking myself off the list because of osteoporosis. Can I potentially still donate tissue, bones specifically? That's a great question, Lori. The simplest answer is, uh, Lori, don't rule yourself out. Uh, Yes, osteoporosis creates a bone that's less dense, so they can't use it for certain bone grafts or, or tissue transplants, but there are so many other transplants that it still can be used for. So, right. so absolutely, you know, even if you have osteoporosis or other bone-type uh, mm-hmm. diseases, don't rule yourself out. Let us and the physicians uh, make that determination. And most importantly of all, Lori, uh, make sure your family knows what your wishes are as far as donations are concerned. There you go. Great question. Thanks for sending it in. And if you have a question that you want us to tackle here on The Gifted Life, send it to us at info at lopa.org. Another episode of The Gifted Life has come to a close. Oh, what fun we have learning, spreading awareness. It's just a a good time. So thank you for sharing it. And we want to thank our guests, too, who take the time to be here. Definitely. We want to thank Jason Loverity of AATB. Uh, the accreditation manager, just to enlighten us, teaching us a little bit about what what it entails, accreditation, and and how they keep tissue transplants safe. And then, of course, as always, thanks to Sally Gentry, that girl. Yeah, I think we need like a little drum roll or a little uh, something, something I for think her. Should too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Was, that was a great piece on on grief. One of the beginning pieces on grief. But uh, we always know, learn. We always want to push me, it forward. You know, because I, I've always, like I said, learned a little bit about the Kubler Ross five stages. She's enlightening me. 
Yeah, we're, it's okay. all about learning, starting those healthy conversations. Um, and Sally, you know, a jack of all trades, but we were just out the other night, speaking of uh, those who get involved in helping us spread the word, um, we had a mixture of folks out. Um, we were at a Mexican restaurant, and we had a good time learning about donation. And I think everyone really enjoyed it. I could look around and say, I mean, you're right, all ages from small children up to older individuals mm-hmm. and everyone in between. And it was just a fun way to bring awareness to donation and to LOPA and what we do. Um, so it was it was great. And I, LSU students did a phenomenal yeah. job, didn't they? That, wow. that was just part of their <laughs> campaign. But um, so many people learning about donation who normally wouldn't. And right. what they did was music bingo. It's so fun. But look, we have different events across the state. It's easy for you to get involved. We try to make it as fun as possible. Yeah. And it's easy to do and get connected. Yeah. Look us up. Look us up on, on lopa.org on our main page, on our homepage. There's right. a big old volunteer button. Click on that volunteer button and, and help us out. Spread the word. Yeah, and your information will go to the community educator near you. No pressure. We let you know what's happening. If you can make it, come on down. All right, we appreciate you listening. Uh, do something to let someone know about donation today that you wouldn't normally do. We thank you for helping us save lives. And thanks for listening here on The Gifted Life. Mm-hmm.